0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Transport Workers' Union Air Division podcast. I'm your host, Brian Parker. Today's podcast is going to be a twu IAM Association update in response to American Airlines' so-called full-text proposal that they put out on JetNet for uh, the members to see. Joining me today to discuss this is two of the association's executive negotiators. On the phone, I have with me Gary Peterson from the TWU, and Tom Regan from the IM. Thank you for joining me today, gentlemen. Thanks for having us on. Okay, so once again, the company's chosen to lie to the membership. It looks like to me, and you know, they've created another round of half-truce and, and went straight to the uh, to the membership on JetNet and trying to negotiate directly with their members. Beginning with a document laid, labeled as Article Six in Scope, uh, one document says it was the company's proposal of two fourteen of nineteen. And then their highlighted sheet says it's uh, May 6th of 2019. Gary, can you uh, speak a little bit about this and scope and try to explain what's going on?
1: Yeah, and again, I need to apologize. I'm in an airport doing this remote, so thanks for having me on, Brian. Um, Yeah, unfortunately, again, the company has taken what's a working document and put that out and portrayed it as their proposal, and nothing could be further from the truth. Again, um, their proposal that, that they put out, was dated July 24th, 2018, and, and I spoke about that in an earlier podcast. And I think it's important for the membership to know that our positions are have been removed from what the company has put out as, quote-unquote, their proposal, but that is not their proposal. That is a working document leaving out all of the association's open positions.
0: Let's go to you next, Tom. Can you talk about fleet service?
2: Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on. And from the fleet service side... Um... Uh, Since the company presented their comprehensive proposal back in 2017, we've been working through all of the caveats of their proposal. uh, Using a working document like Gary had suggested, the same we did in maintenance. On the fleet side, there's two pieces of the scope proposal. One is being scope itself, which names the number of cities, how those cities are brought in house, who does the work, and so forth. That is tied to classifications, which really lays out all of the work that fleet service people own, like your de-icing, water and lav, your catering, your cargo, your CLP, your tower. So we've been working through those two documents. What the company has put out really is basically their version. Uh, we will talk, I'm sure, next week on the differences between the two proposals and what it means for our members.
0: Okay. And uh, you mentioned we'll talk next week. I, kn- I do know that there's plan to get deeper into this. I know that uh, you guys are reviewing the documents. Before we go into that, Gary, talk to us a little bit about the pay and what the company is listed as far as their pay.
1: Yeah, and, uh, Brian, And in, in fairness, um, as we're doing this, we're we're making sure we kind of cover our bases and what the company's presented. We will be putting out more information throughout this weekend and much more next week when we, we can get together and really put together the, the right answers to the company's proposal for the membership. So we're just asking everybody to be patient um, and give us the opportunity to do that. Uh, and one thing that I, I want to also mention is, you know, the company had the audacity on the uh, the MLS scope to say that further discussions upon conclusion of M MNR scope will, will happen, yet they have zero intention of meeting according to their other documents. So, we're willing to meet, and we've said this before, anywhere, anytime. But going into the pay, you know, the, the company keeps shifting positions on, on pay because they this thing is drug out so long, they keep saying they're going to give us the best pay in the industry, and now they've given us a, a pay proposal that we hadn't seen, you know, so to speak, prior, and they alleged they gave it to us, but they didn't in negotiations. Now that we've seen that, that portion of it, we're comparing and making sure that it is the industry leading, and it fits where it needs to fit, but... The the, the premiums that they're still showing do not rise to the level of Deltas. There is no consideration for the differences in in profit sharing between Delta and Southwest, which are greater than ours. And also the company fails to to meet the uh, pay increases annually that that are in the Southwest agreement. So this leaves, you know, again, the M&R side right off the bat starting to fall behind what is the industry that they see in the Southwest contract, and they made no adjustments for that
0: you mentioned Southwest. I know the company has said that they were going to bring the pay up to match the new maintenance agreement at Southwest. Uh, Moving over to you, Tom, has there been any new discussions on the fleet service side uh, bringing the pay up in comparison with the other airlines in the industry?
2: No, the fleet discussion originally in 2016 when we had the midterm wage adjustment, the fleet service pay was compared to United plus 1% at that time the latest discussions for fleet service are uh, Delta plus three, which is still what the company has on the table. And it's from a premium perspective. Uh, there's many premiums that we still have open on CLP tower premiums, lead premiums, operation premiums, all those issues are tied to the wage. So that's something that we'll have to work through, but currently what's on the table for fleet service represents Delta plus
0: 3%. So it's fair to say we still got a lot of work to do in that area, correct?
2: I would say on the premium side and the profit sharing and the difference between the profit sharings on Delta and the base wage that they're offering, I would say we have a major difference on that issue.
0: Okay. And uh,
2: yeah, Brian, if I could, let me just yes. comment on that as well. Sure.
1: They haven't acknowledged the MLS group or stock clerks along the way on where they really want to put them. obviously there's a new green map southwest that we've brought up to them and and they've seem to ignore they, they continually seem to ignore that group, which is, you know, a bit aggravating for us as well as those in the flex rate. They they haven't made any adjustments to that.
0: Let's move on into medical. Tom, can you go ahead and start first and uh talk a little bit about the medical?
2: Yeah, well uh medical is as most know is a is a major issue or one of the five outstanding issues in the way of hopefully resolving a tentative agreement but uh, medical as you know on the legacy American side you folks have the legacy a plans better known as the core the value and the standard Uh, the value is not contractual Uh, the standard and core is and the core can be changed and the standard cannot be changed On the other side, there's three plans, the 80, 90, and 100, which are all contractual, cannot be changed during the term of the agreement. And the association's uh, proposal all along was that all association-represented employees deserve the better medical plans. As of late uh, last week, uh, the company made a written proposal for the first time that indicated the legacy U.S. plans... Would stay in effect for a specific time period, uh, and they would go away at that point, and everyone would transition into the legacy AA plans. And that we are still far apart from resolving that
0: issue. Okay, Gary, you got any uh, comments on the medical?
1: Yeah, and I apologize for the background noise if, uh, if that kind of drowns me out. But again, that Tom hit it on the head. what The company's offering is bankruptcy plans that totally disregard our ability to have a say in what the plan options, so to speak, and benefits are. They they would control that. They'd have that sole discretion as well as, you know, the cost, the annual cost increases. We have no way to audit that. It's based on their forward projections and uh, it's this theory of what they got in bankruptcy of what they say it is we have to live with and and one of the positions along the way we've taken is we, we, we have to be able to validate these numbers that uh, the company say costs are for the membership is up in that.
0: Okay. And uh, Tom, what about the 401k and the IAM pension?
2: Yeah, I mean the 401k, I mean the company has put out what they have on the table Um, that has been on the table for uh, some time, a 5% automatic with a 4% match, which equals nine. Delta is at six and three which is nine Uh, Southwest is probably around 9.3 all match Uh, they claim that that's industry leading our proposal on the table is that they have uh, option a which means they would get out of the IM national pension plan and pay whatever penalty that is required under the plan and all association employees would get 10% of compensation in the 401k or They can stay in the pension plan for those in the pension plan. Everyone would still get 10%. And on the legacy U.S. side, that money will be allocated by the IAM to compensate for the contributions into the plan and the 401k so we're all equal. That is on the table. Um, The company has not responded which way they would like to go.
0: Okay, Gary, anything to add on that? No,
1: other than, again, you know, what we believe is on the what we we have on the table is, is difficult with the company not telling us one for sure what they want to do with the, you know the I M S pension plan, and then the second piece of that is, uh, you know again for this industry leading industry leading piece, what exactly they believe is industry leading against what we believe is industry leading are you know leaving us, 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 uh, a few percent apart, and it's a gap that we certainly have to close.
0: Okay, and what about retiree medical?
1: I'll take that one right off the bat, Tom. Um, You know, the retiree medical that the company's putting out there is 100% employee funded. Um, The document speaks to the fact that they can eliminate it at any time. There is no real retiree medical. Um, When you retire from American with what what they have on the table, it's uh, a massive cost to the retiree. Um, And this is the early retirement, you know, 55 to 65 it's a massive cost to to try to undertake and you know today at united they use 11 hours of sick time per month to, to pay for active medical southwest uses 12 and our belief is that you know we want something similar to that since they keep comparing us to them and this is this is another area where we're really far apart and their offer is just you know take it or leave it with what was taken in bankruptcy from us uh, our original pre-funding and Tom can speak to the current IM plans that, that have uh, a way, a mechanism to utilize and get sick time on the active plans at reduced cost.
0: Yeah, go ahead, Tom, and uh, tell us about the IM and what they have.
2: Yeah, well, from the association speaking on behalf of uh, the association, our proposals through conversations with the company and and/or the mediators uh, has been that we are shooting for one a sick leave buyout. Uh, which is equal to your full pay uh, for sick leave, or we are looking for the use of sick leave to subsidize retiree medical between 55 and 65. Uh, And we have not come to a determination on how many hours because in order to do that, we would have to know what plan we are negotiating so we know how much that costs. There's such a huge difference with the legacy AA retiree plan they offer they call it the standard retirement plan that plan is upwards of uh, a couple thousand dollars for employee and spouse or around fifteen hundred dollars for an employee Uh, where on the legacy u.s side a much better plan in retirement for single person is around seven hundred dollars and in some cases if you were a mechanic had sick leave today you would get about $508 credit towards that plan which is a big difference so our goal is to get everyone in the association a reliable retirement plan and our goal will be to use sick time to pay for that to allow you to reach an age where you can get Medicare so that is our goal um, and we are very very far apart on that
0: okay and piggybacking on the uh, retiree medical something that's uh... Uh, a, a big point of interest for our members is the early out. Gary, can you uh, start off and talk a little bit about an early out program?
1: Yeah. So the company's clear in their document. It's, it's based on their operational needs. They don't give any details of who, when, how, you know, will be awarded and we've taken a position at the table that any member who wants to go through the duration of the agreement will have that opportunity to to leave so long as they meet the criteria that's established. We believe that criteria would be similar to the 65-point plan that's out there today, and you know this is something again that needs to be bargained for. And and we believe that if they want our folks to leave, then we should give every one of our folks the opportunity to make that choice throughout the duration of the agreement, not the company just where they want based on operational need. And there's a lot of folks out there that think they're going to get this opportunity that may vote yes, thinking this, and wind up getting something like
0: that. We're not going to sign up for something like that. Tom, you got any uh, th- uh, comments for that, of the early out?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's been much discussion on that, but if we can reach a joint collective bargaining agreement that is satisfactory to the association leadership and membership, um, then you know, an early out program to reward people that who have put time and service into this company is something we will entertain but that will also have to be negotiated no different than every other article in the joint CBA to make sure uh, that people who wanna leave the company as Doug Parker has said in his videos would have that opportunity and it wouldn't be limited to certain people in certain locations because that would be something that's not good for us.
0: Okay, and staying with you, Tom, uh, I know the company has mentioned a bonus and uh, they haven't mentioned retro pay and what they've put out. Can you talk about those two?
2: Yeah, up until September of last year, uh, most of our discussions at the table revolved around some type of signing bonus. Um, as you and everyone else is aware, that our contracts became amendable, and our last raise was in 17, which ran through 18. So, our proposals at the table have asked for not only a signing bonus, uh, yet to be determining in an amount, and we are asking for full retro back to September of 18 compensate us for the time
0: uh, we have not had an agreement. Okay, Gary, any comments on uh, the retro and the uh, the bonus?
1: No, again, I think the fact that the company continues to ignore what United, Southwest, and, and pretty much everybody else has done when it comes to uh, retro pay is just, again, it's unconscionable that they can sit and put things out with a straight face or try to put it out with a straight face, saying it's industry-leading when hundreds of million dollars are being put out by these other companies for their employees. And they look at us and they want to give out, you know, tens of thousands while taking a paychecks or, you know, folks' paychecks to go to pay in arrears the on their bonus program, which in, in many cases, um, most folks wind up with uh, less money than they would have got with a paycheck. And, and they say they're going to give a bonus.
0: Okay. And uh, Gary, I know you're close on time. You got to catch a flight. And I know you're delayed due to the weather uh, coming into Dallas. Before we go, is there any uh, closing remarks you want to make on, and you know, uh, kind of let the members know what to expect? I know it was mentioned that we're going to do something next week. You want to speak on that?
1: Yeah. So our goal is to to you know bring on some of the negotiating team together next week, uh, the folks that have been at the table and, and those involved in negotiations, and to put you know to get what's out there from what the company has said is their version and put out our version of fact. So the membership knows kind of on a comparison basis what we're fighting for for them. I mean, this, this really is not when you, when you see what the company put out, that's been a lot of hard work in scope through negotiations. That's not their proposal. The problem is there's a ton of things still missing from their scope. And and we didn't bring it up earlier, but I'll just talk about, you know, floors for base maintenance or, you know, the cap and outsourcing on, on line maintenance and, God knows they want to eliminate pretty much everybody in our facilities group and GSE. And, you know, we're going to sit down and we're going to, we're going to, I think the, the way we're going to approach it is we're going to do a face to face through video with our folks. We, we haven't solidified exactly the details of that yet, but we're working on that. We'll do it next week. And I think our objective is to make sure that the membership clearly knows what we're fighting for at the table and what they're going to receive through this fight with us. Uh, in their contract and and things they rightfully deserve.
0: Okay. And when you say we, you're speaking, uh, the TW and I am the association as a whole going forward to put out this information, correct?
1: Yeah. You know, we, we, we're, we're located in a lot of different locations and coordinating and getting everybody together is important. And, you know, we've done things individually. And I think we've all agreed at this point that uh, while we work as a team, we talk as a team and, and we meet as a team, Um, When we do things individually, sometimes those come across and members question how unified we are. And what I can tell you is we're unified in this fight. Um, The negotiating team and the leadership team has been through the duration. And um, people want to see us together. That's what we're working on putting together in this podcast is is the first step in in doing that going forward.
0: Okay. And, Tom, you got any uh, closing remarks or anything we've missed that uh, you discuss? and? And maybe talk about uh, you know to Gary's point about are we together
2: yeah well I mean there's no question um, about togetherness uh, unfortunately this is a merger um, Having been through many merges from the legacy US side and having negotiated many of the merger agreements you'll always have issues through the mergers, but I can assure the membership that uh, where we sit at the table and what we speak for we speak for all memberships equally This is not an IAM or TWU one-sided operation. This is not the preferred way to negotiate from my perspective. We prefer to be at the table, myself, Gary, and all the crew. We prefer to be in front of the decision makers of the company, and we prefer to reach a joint CBA that our memberships uh, would be satisfactory with. But unfortunately, uh, we're now faced with what's out there, and we will do the best we can to let our membership know whether you're IAM or TWU. Uh, what the proposals are what the working documents are what the open issues are and how that affects them and then we will move forward from there and our goal is to reach an agreement and if this is the road we have to take then uh, we'll pay the toll and head down the highway
0: okay well that sounds good uh anything else before we go no i'm good thanks brian
2: i'm good thank
0: you for the time okay thank you gentlemen for joining us and i want to thank everyone for listening and and staying tuned in and and trying to get the information uh again we'll try to get something out early next week Uh, it'll be a joint update and thank everyone for listening today